Hey, welcome back to the We Maple Video Show. Today we have a very exciting guest, Pamela Shaw, BOC journalist, writer, researcher, associate producer of the We Maple podcast. Tons of education and credentials that I don't have. Incredibly smart and wonderful human being and friend and colleague here at Business on Camera. Welcome to the show, Pamela. Thanks, Matt. Nice to be on the show. It's kind of weird being on this side of the camera. Hey, yeah, usually, I'm the mastermind behind the scenes. <laughs> what's that like? So you two fingers switching back and forth. This is basically when you're we're recording the show. Mm-hmm. Yep. What's um? Tell tell us about the process of uh, We Maple uh, Video Show. What's what's the whole process A to Z? Uh, well, we just started uh, implementing a process. We kind of just hit the ground running with this uh, video show, huh? So we're kind of just learning. Um, the most optimal way to uh, achieve that, um, uh, to achieve a good video. And um, there's been some obstacles, obviously, along the way. I mean, what, um, what new venture doesn't have uh, struggles? But it's been uh, quite rewarding, actually. I feel like we're doing a good job uh, going forward. So um, uh, basically, I just reach out to uh, the guests. I say, hey, uh, we're, me- we're we Maple. This is what we do. Um, do you want to be on the video show as a guest? And then I navigate the guests through um, an introductory uh, uh, video call with them, um, just to um, just to introduce them to like possible themes that uh, we'd be discussing on the video show, and uh, then we schedule a recording. And then I just sit behind the laptop and yeah. Watch the episode, moderate the uh, the uh, cameras. Yeah, a lot of elements go into this, and you know, and then on the post production side, we then have this you know large file gets sent to Vancouver. Our editor cleans it up, sends a first cut, and then often there's changes, and we get another cut, and then a thumbnail, and then the social media posts. And I think when we started, or at least for for me, I didn't really anticipate the amount of work that goes into doing these shows. I think what what episode number would, would this be? <laughs> I think this would be 12 or 13. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, what's that like? You know, you, you came into BOC as a journalist um, and a, a, such an uh, excellent writer. And then you've sort of been, you know, you've, you've graciously accepted this invitation to be the associate producer of the We Maple Show. Um, what's that been like for your kind of growth as an individual? And, and um, what, you know, what's your experience been? Um, a big learning curve, for sure. Exciting. Um, some challenges that I take head on. And I think my confidence has <laughs> gone through the roof in the last few months since I've been here. Yeah, uh, yeah, huge learning curve. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, like you said before, there's a lot of work that goes into these video productions, way more than I anticipated. It t- ended up taking up so much more time in my schedule than I anticipated. Um, yeah, there's a lot of work that goes into it. And <laughs> there's still a lot of stuff that I'm gonna uh, learn along the way too. But uh, for the most part, it's been super interesting just uh, sitting down and just listening to the guests that come on here. They have some pretty cool and interesting stories and they're um, like very like smart, intelligent, people that have a really good 
that have really good ethics and like values that um, uh, that I'm sure most people can uh, relate to. And I think that's the that's the really cool thing about We Maple is just bringing in just like grassroots Canadians, just everyday Canadians, and just kind of diving a bit deeper into their story. Just because everyone has a really interesting story behind them, you know, like whether they're um, uh, whether they're in the corporate world, whether they have their own business, whether they're in like makeup, filmmaking, uh, whether they're like anything, there's just more to a person and diving a little bit deeper beneath the surface with each person to me is the most interesting part about this video show is just getting to learn uh, a bit more about that. It was like, oh, this guy's like doing this, but he's actually um, like super intelligent about other stuff too you know, and they're just like really cool, interesting people. But I feel like every person is like that. Yeah, yesterday, um, you know, I thought like with with Cowboy as a guest, it's like no matter where we went in the conversation, he had something to say. And and I found that uh, knowing him for almost two decades, it was like, uh, no, it was like re it was like meeting someone again for the first time. And, and that's one thing I'm enjoying with this process. And again, thank you so much for all the support you've offered. It's been an incredible opportunity for me to connect with people in a new way. And, um, you know, it, it, marketing companies in general sometimes aren't always the best at their own marketing and their own promotion. They're busy supporting their clients. And so we maple us having our own little media production team and house, um, you know, we want to start to tell those stories and enhance our brand. So really acknowledge the hard work you've been putting in. Thank you. I'm stroking my ego a little bit, huh? <laughs> <laughs> a couple compliments on the old Wee Maple video show. But, if you come on as a guest, you'll get one too. <laughs> <laughs> but that thing about uh, it just rediscovering um, an old friend per se, or like a lifelong friend, I totally know what that is. Just like I, I spent some time abroad and uh, just coming back to Calgary and reestablishing those connections with people, they're... Um, they're just, they've grown as a person. And, and I've realized that I've grown as a person too, but I feel like that's like totally natural. I'd be a little bit more concerned if they didn't, you know? Life kind of just throws shit at you that you have to adapt to and challenges that you have to overcome. So somebody who's the same as they were in high school, I, I'd probably not want to be friends with them, you know? That's just weird. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. We've we've had deeper conversations about different friend friend groups and relationships. And it, I, if I don't talk to someone for a long time, and then I talk to them, and they're still saying the same things in the same way with the same energy and tone and cadence to their voice, and they're they're in the exact same space, I find that hard to deal with. And not that like I have some extraordinary results or something that I'm like better than. It's just. I do have an underlying value of growth, the pursuit of growth. And that can be hard at times to like really deeply love a friend or family member and just genuinely kind of assert that that relationship is over. And, and, mm. and because, because the type of person that is driven to want to pursue growth is different than a person who's just content when where they are and that there's not a wrong thing it's just if those value sets are off i find it difficult to spend mm -hmm. a lot of time there mm -hmm. yeah definitely you mentioned travel abroad i mean this was something that was 
very impressive to us was your when your resume came in and your um, education and but also that worldly view you know in the first interview that you shared of your family and and just the experience and nature of what that was like for you uh, could you share again you know what you know where you traveled what you did and what you learned oh boy I could take hours. 15 um, minutes later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> where was the first um, where was the first place that you went that was outside of Canada? The United States. But that was because uh, um, like us as a family, we would take road trips down to California about like every other like every couple years or something. We'd travel down through Montana, Idaho, down to Vegas and then across to um, across to LA and then we uh, or some t like I have a cousin in um, Texas and sometimes we would take that exact route and then just meander over to Dallas so the United States for sure and uh, Florida um, my parents their first retirement place was in Florida in Fort Lauderdale um, but it got a little bit too crowded for them so they um, jump ship over uh, to the Bahamas just like right next door uh, on an island in the Bahamas. So that's where they are uh, right now. So I spent a bit of time in Florida as well. I'm pretty familiar with um, many states. Uh, my sister lived in New York, New York City. I visited her there. And uh, we took trips to Mexico when I was a kid. This is all like when, like in my childhood. Like when I was a kid, we were doing this. We were visiting these places. And then... Um, at 13, 13-ish, 13 12 or 13, um, was our first trip, was my uh, first experience in the UK. I have aunts and uncles there on my dad's side and uh, went to visit there. And the first time, I remember this so vividly in my head, the first time that you come out of the, uh, that you come out of the tube, out of the train in central London, and you walk out into like Oxford, Oxford Circus, or Piccadilly, no, sorry, Oxford, what is it called? It's Piccadilly Circus and Oxford something. Anyway, the f first moment that you come out of the uh, subway into Piccadilly Circus, it's like a whole, like it blew my mind. It's like a, like a whole different world entirely. The buildings are different. People are different. Like everything was just different. And I was just thinking, whoa, what is this? Like, what is this? like new world that is Europe. This is back when the UK was a part of Europe, but that's a whole other can of worms that I won't get into. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then um, from there on, like sometimes we would take trips, uh, like we would hop on the train over to France, uh, sometimes uh, down to Spain. And it just kind of, my fascination just went from there. I wanted to study history. I wanted to take a degree abroad. So I work towards that goal and uh, I uh, hopped on a plane to Denmark and hoping everything would work out and luckily for me uh, it was a calculated risk that ended up paying off and university accepted me I took a master's in history there and uh, yeah I stayed there for three-ish years maybe three and a half years I can't remember yeah and how did uh, journalism uh, and writing, how did that come in to your picture? Writing, well, writing, I was always writing. I was, it was always academic writing. Um, 
journalism came about unexpectedly, but uh, uh, well, the pandemic happened, and I happened to be in the middle of Germany at that time, just in a small little farmhouse just outside of Munich <laughs> when the pandemic hit, and uh, it was January 2020. So this is when it meandered over to Europe. It was, I don't think it was in Canada yet. I think that happened in March. Um, and then I was reaching out to um, research, research institutions and universities um, to kickstart a PhD in uh, the history of science. And, uh, and then s soon, uh, one, the borders started closing down. Like, like European borders were closing. And that's when it hit me that this pandemic was like really bad because when borders, like borders don't close unless it's wartime. Like that's the only time that borders ever close down. So when uh, like when a bunch of European countries started closing their borders, I said, oh shit, <laughs> like, what is happening? And that's, and that's when it really hit me that this is bad. And then sure enough, like once those borders started closing, universities started closing down, research programs, like, like everything closed, everything. And suddenly, when I was in contact with a bunch of professors and researchers, nobody was in contact. Nobody knew what was going on. They said, well, when are you going to open again? So we don't know. Universities didn't know. I'm pretty sure most governments didn't know. Nobody knew what was happening. They just knew that there was this disease that was spreading around the world that nobody knows anything about. So everything shut down. And well, I eventually ran out of money uh, and my tourist visa was about to expire. So I came back to Canada and that's when I, <laughs> well, one thing, and I'm, I'm very glad this didn't work out. I actually uh, tried the uh, law entrance exam, the LSATs. I said, eh, why not? Let's see if I make a good lawyer. I failed it twice. Uh, thank God I didn't <laughs> become a lawyer. I don't think I would have been happy uh, doing that. So, and then after trying that, I, um, I uh, thought journalism, I, I was just, I guess I was just randomly Googling it one day and then I said, oh yeah, journalism, that's a natural fit for what I do. I'm a writer. I know how to write. I know how to edit. I know formal English. I've done a bunch of training in that. Let's try that. And yeah, sure enough, it worked out and here I am. Love it. <laughs> You'd reached out initially uh, to us on LinkedIn and um, there was a relatedness with an account that we work with here at Business on Camera. Um, but it, it was very distinct. It, you'd think that would be more common when students, or, or I would think as a business owner that students would do that more often. And maybe they do, like maybe we're just small. Like so it, it had a real impact when a student and that you were still in finishing your school reached out and said like, hey, like what you guys are doing, you know, are you hiring? Um, th that was very distinct and, and original and um, yeah, it, it generated something newly for us to, uh, I think, um, go through the way it should be done. And what I mean by that is, you know, you did a, a practicum or an internship and then an internship or practically, and then we, then a job offer Practicum, practicum. internship, uh, contractor, employment. Right. And like the, there's a thank you. And it's like a um, higher, slow, fire, fast. Someone told me mm -hmm. once. And it, I think what worked out so naturally and well for this is was that slow progression. 
from academia into, you know, now you have a career in journalism. How cool is that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that was something that I aimed for. That was entirely calculated because that's exactly what I anticipated. Like any company that's looking at a student looking for an internship, he's like, okay, yeah, so what? Like, it, oh, oh God, it's a student, you know? As much as I hate to admit it, that's kind of the perception, you know, like a fresh student has no idea how to work in the corporate world, has no idea what to do in the business. They're going to make a lot of mistakes. Many companies don't like that. So you kind of have to organically meander into it or like get your foot in the door somehow. And I reached out to actually one of your clients first and I said, I want to know, I was like, can you put me in touch with whoever does your communications and marketing? And that's how I found business on camera. What stood out to you about that? Why did you want to get in touch with the people that manage their communications and marketing? Uh, just sophisticated, intelligent. Um, uh, the website looked awesome. The messaging was concise. And I was sold on it. So if a marketing company can sell me on an idea, for certain technology or a certain product, they're obviously doing something right. Yeah, wow. That, uh, you know, we were taken aback uh, and really appreciated that compliment that you gave us at the start. And um, then you, yeah, you I mean you've just performed at a high level. You went right into uh, meetings, uh, events, and then you know you started becoming the go-to writer for this account, and it immediately was good and so it, I think it worked out for everybody well it wasn't immediately good but thanks for the compliment <laughs> <Sure. laughs> there's some yeah I mean one of your first tasks the uh the dreaded op-ed um writing you know an in-depth 2500 words or whatever it was about something that you didn't know about um but I you know I think that baptism by fire that sort of fire hose of information and like here go do it like that's sort of part of the culture here at boc is mm. like we don't we're not a huge company so we don't have a lot of policies and procedures and things formalized it's very much learned by doing and mm. that works for some and doesn't for others and we're not for everyone um so uh, yeah we're really grateful that it it worked out with you thank you so what are you excited about creating in q4 here as we near the end of 2023 um I don't know. The, it's just so, there's just so much happening. And I'm in a place where I could never have anticipated being in. So I actually don't know, but I'm ready to face it. I know that's a very general answer, but yeah, I just, I just don't know. I'm just kind of taking it week by week and see what happens. But I remain optimistic regardless. Awesome. Yeah, there was, um, you know the committed colleague meetings that we would do these one-on-ones with different themes what stood out to you about that invitation to connect in that way and uh what did you like about it and what didn't you like if anything um i think it was valuable to just get to know colleagues just on a personal level that even if it's a surface level at first you just just having that organic connection with somebody i think is very valuable because then you 
um, I can't really describe it, but it's just, it just works. You know, when you, when you know each other as people and whether like you're inspired by them or you want to, like you have something in common with them, I think that just naturally makes a good cohesive team. I think that's just human behavior. I think that's just everything. That's just something that most human beings want is to have that connection. So it works. Yeah, com the, you know, communication is obviously critical, not just what we do for our clients and partners, but internally as a team. I, I, I think we bent a little bit of time, you know, by being able to connect daily on a particular topic for 15 minutes built a higher degree of relatedness and knowing the other person, like you mentioned, the personally. But one thing I've experienced this week is a missing in that. It's been so busy mm. at work that none of those meetings took place because now with a team of five, for, for, my, for, for me being in all of those, that's uh, an hour and 15 minutes out of the day mm. that is those meetings are important and valuable however so is now we've gone from three uh accounts four accounts to 16 um accounts so uh yeah just figuring out that balance and so with the q4 like what i'm excited about is the possibility of um how through our team and teamwork we can continue to deliver at a high level for our partners and accounts but that also we as a team can continue to accelerate and thrive and our culture can continue to grow. And that's really exciting for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. What about the holidays? Are you a person that gets deep into Christmas? Do you like? I do. <laughs> I, I love Christmas. It's the best. It really is. I have some friends that are like, that are insane, like ecstatic about Halloween. I love Halloween too. It's fun, but I'm definitely more excited about Christmas. I don't know. I just the vibes of it, the getting to spend time with family. Um, uh, it's it's awesome. It, uh, um, yeah, just the traditions that come along with it. How can you not feel good at Christmas? Actually, that no no no. That's a bad question. There's many reasons why uh, Christmas could be a bad time for some people. So, um, but. Yeah, personally, I look forward to it. Christmas is awesome. Um, it's weird because Thanksgiving isn't really a, as big of a thing in Canada as the United States, right? D isn't that what it seems like? Like, uh, like at Thanksgiving, like everyone, like the whole family just like, like travels across country and everyone like sits down and like watches a football game, right? And then has dinner at like four. And then the Black Friday is right after, I think. is like the night, is like the midnight of the, the midnight preceding uh, Thanksgiving, right? So people go nuts in the States over like both Thanksgiving and then Black Friday. Like they line up at midnight at Walmart and they just go crazy over sales. It's insane. <laughs> so I noticed that's more of a thing in uh, the United States than it is here. Here Thanksgiving is kind of like, mm, yeah, you have turkey. Maybe, yep, some cranberries. <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's different for you and your family, but yeah yeah it's just the meal um and even now like having my own kids i don't typically cook a turkey they're like all that food is just an unreasonable amount of i find yeah so uh it's it's faded out for me and my children but you know it's interesting to think about like 
you know, U.S. and Canadian culture, but then also each family's got their own kind of distinct set of values and how they like to spend their time. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't like a lot of dishes. I don't like a lot of leftovers in the fridge. And Same. Like, <laughs> if I got invited, I'd go. But I don't like to do it at home. It's just too much going on in the kitchen and all the stuff. And who wants to clean those dishes? Some people do, actually. Some people find it therapeutic. And I don't understand those people because I'm exactly like you. I mean, you have a dishwasher, but if you have if you host a Thanksgiving dinner, you're but like even the two dishwasher, runs. you still can't load everything. Know, it's, it's like it's stainless steel; it can't go in, or it's like this; it can't go in because it's gonna fall apart, or like stuff like that. Oh, I know. It's, I, I have a I have a thing about dishwater too. Like when they're if you're doing dishes in the sink and it's there's nasty. Like, yeah, like the celery's in there, and you gotta touch it and clean it it's out. Like, and then the cloth that's like left over, like I I, I I just I don't know what it is about dishes. I've never liked mm-hmm. them. And that if you leave, imagine like, you know, when you leave a cloth out for a couple of days and then the smell, like, I just, I don't vibe that. So <laughs> my th- sister, one of my sisters, I have two. One of my sisters is the total opposite. She says that she hates taking the clean dishes out and putting them away. And I'm like, why? I don't understand. Like, you, you'd rather mess with dirty dishes than take them out. She's like, yeah, because the clean dishes, it's like, it's so meticulous and so boring to do. So I, I don't know. It's <laughs> Some people are different. What about um, like you and your, uh, you've got a condo that you rent near the university. Like what is your kind of um, like style for the way you eat and cook? Do you, are you skip the dishes kind of person? Do you get groceries and plan your meals? Like what does it typically look like? Oh, I would like to say that I cook. I, I do genuinely like cooking, but after a long day, it's just like the last thing that I want to do. So more often than not, either I pick something up on the way home or I get Uber Eats. But even if I get uh, something delivered, I do try to have like some sort of balance, like some sort of like a balanced meal is what I bullshit tell myself <laughs> when I'm ordering takeout. It's like, oh, it has a little bit of salad in it. Therefore, it's better than a pizza, but it's still takeout. Like, <laughs> you know, these are like things that I tell myself like in my head. It's like, oh, if I get Vietnamese, that's kind of healthy, I think. But it's like loaded with like sauces and stuff at the end of the day still. So it's still like a ton of calories. Um, Are you a hoisin sauce and, and 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 sriracha kind of person on your Vietnamese? I don't put hoisin. No, I do like sriracha though. I like the peanut sauce. That's my favorite. Mm, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, with mm-hmm. rice, do you like? Would you prefer the um, hot sauce or soy sauce? Mm, soy sauce, I think, with rice. Do you prefer the sticky rice or the kind of one that's more individually little rice pellets? I like basmati. That's my favorite. Um, I grew up with uh, Middle Eastern cooking, though, so that's probably why. Uh, it's my favorite. Do you have a rice cooker? No. You do it on the pot? Mm-hmm. Traditional? Yep. Never done that. Really? You have a rice cooker? Yeah, I've never I've never cooked rice other than in a rice cooker. Oh, wow. Okay. It's just, you just hit the button. I like that. And, and it's just, perfectly proportioned. Just a cup of water, two cups mm-hmm. of water, cup of rice, boom, hit the button, done. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. just huck that sucker in the dishwasher after. What's your go-to for Uber Eats or Skip the Dishes? Um, pizza and uh, sushi. Um, but I do that same trick in my mind where I try and balance out. Like I'll get salad with if I get a burger or if I get a burger, I'll like add vegetables to it. I do really love vegetables, um, but I find um, 
myself lately being more intentional with grocery shopping. So I do mm. a superstore online order and think about what I'm going to cook and order it online and just get the groceries delivered and just trying to eat more food that I cook mm-hmm. as opposed to um, like order ordering takeout. I find mm. I just feel better. Yeah, definitely. The convenience thing though, and the way you described like after a long day of work, it's just nice to have the food ready. Like the other day I hadn't eaten all day. I was generally a little intermittent fast. Mm. And then it just went too long to like 7.30 when I left work and I hit Dairy Queen. I'm like, why get one cheeseburger when I can get two? And then I'm like walking home, eating two cheeseburgers on (laughs) Elbow Drive. I'm like, what is wrong with me? So uh, working to be more proactive to, if if there was food here at the office pre-made in a Tupperware, I would have eaten that, but I just didn't have the time or thought to prepare it. But that's where I'd like to go. And that's mm. back to kind of Q4 of the year is um, I've always believed that this kind of New Year's resolution thing is like if you wait and you start after the holidays, it's so I always try and get some good, not try, I work to get momentum in the fall so that when the new year comes, I've already got some momentum towards those goals, mm. health goals or whatever it is, meditation. What about you? Are you the kind of person that... Are you intentional with goal setting? Um, more so with physical health than um, what I eat. I'm not too concerned about, I, I've, I really truly feel like I have a relatively balanced diet. I'm conscious about fruits and veggies. I don't, I very rarely deny um, anything or like push anything out of my diet. I believe that, um, uh, I believe that eating habits come in, like, ought to be in moderation. You can eat a little bit of something. You can have a burger, not feel guilty about it. Um, but, you know, um, your body still needs essential nutrients. And um, you can get that in various ways. You can be creative with it. That's kind of why I like cooking. I, uh, I uh, make a lot of smoothies at home, which is awesome. You just toss, like, a bunch of, like, frozen f- fruit in there, some yogurt, boom it's delicious and I love it um and and I think that's what that's that's one of the value valuable things about uh, cooking at home is that you're able to control what goes into it right um even just like a spaghetti sauce or like a meat sauce it's just like it's just like natural pure ingredients you go to a restaurant you don't know like how much sugar is in it you don't know like how much salt that they put into it it's delicious but you don't have that control Right. So cooking is kind of like finding that balance of what's nutritious and what's delicious, you know, and I, I feel like that's something that um, it's something that not a lot of people know. I, I, I think it's actually like up and coming right now because I noticed that like health and fitness is becoming um, like a huge cultural trend with Gen Z kids. Or, well, Gen Z adults now, I guess. <laughs> They're all grown up. I'm so old. <laughs> I'm a millennial. I was uh, born in 91. And uh, yeah, so um, I feel like uh, health and fitness is definitely like a trend with like the newest generations. So like, well, you just see that you go into any like shopping mall and there's like way more fitness stores now. Like, have you noticed that? Uh, yeah, like the 90s seemed like a very unhealthy decade in general. Kind of. and fried food. and You went to school with like Dunkaroos and Gushers and stuff 100%. like that. I grew up on that stuff. <laughs> yeah, like fruit Lunchables. And, and it's not real food. No. <laughs> As a kid, you don't know because like, you think it's food. Your parents put it in your lunch, so you just chow down. But every single day for 15 years eating, yeah, Dunkaroos, the, <laughs> uh, chocolate-covered granola bars were a huge thing. 
gushers absolutely fruit by the foot like all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff looking back now i'm like that's like when you do that for 15 years that's not the healthiest choice to be no. making as a kid and the cereal too start your yeah. morning with a bowl of sugar um so yeah I'm, i work to be like more intentional with that with my kids they like mm. they get their treats but uh for the most part try and really balance it out um yeah well what are you excited for what do you kind of see for we maple and business on camera and your career like what are what are your some of your aspirations of tying all those things together now that you've been here for almost six months just keep on with the momentum really exactly as you said tie all those things together um see how i grow from that learn a bunch of stuff from clients um i love science and technology so that always motivates me to learn more about what they're up to and uh just writing stuff that i well maybe not believe in but that that i know is intelligent and factual and truthful but it's also like like something interesting i i'm always motivated by learning for the sake of learning i know that sounds so insanely like keener but <laughs> i do like it's just something that um it's something that's always propelled me that's what uh it's what drove me to stay in university when i when i finished my bachelor's degree at the u of c i i knew i i wanted to keep going you know so that propelled me to go from like I, what do you, what can you do with a bachelor's in history basically nothing or everything or anything so <laughs> it's kind of like the first step and uh so yeah so just learning about science technology history humanity the story of humanity is really what drives me and i think that's why i became a writer because i genuinely enjoy learning it, like learning about the past is learning about ourselves today and knowing the past is can allow us to anticipate anticipate historians don't like to predict the future <laughs> we're, uh, we're very we're very very careful about how we say that it's just like well these patterns happened in the past and this is kind of sort of happening in this instance but every single historical event is relative to the time and space that it was um that it was born into so like nothing in history was ever inevitable but learning the lessons from the past is definitely something that um i'm biased in saying this but more people ought to know about maybe a lot a lot of people don't care i, I understand a lot of people like don't really care about history like it, it's boring to some people i understand it's not for everybody but just uh, looking at uh just politics today and just kind of like seeing how the world is just i don't like to say spiraling but as a historian it's kind of concerning <laughs> in a lot of ways you've seen these patterns happen this way in the past and sometimes it doesn't have a great outcome you know society can unravel and just because it happened in the past doesn't mean it won't can't happen in the future we take for granted a lot of things free speech uh our charter of rights and freedoms it's hard earned but it could easily be lost as well and i feel like that's something that uh it's just valuable to keep i totally went off on a tangent <laughs> with that well, I, I, I don't that, even know if i answered your question yeah but. <laughs> i think that's really interesting though because you have a blend of his human history and then you're also a journalist and so 
the things that are happening with censorship, for example, um, that you know that um, got quite concerning. Uh, free speech it got quite concerning mm -hmm. for people just asking questions. You could be potentially berated by friends and family if even if you're just asking, going against the you know narrative and the mainstream, whatever you want to call it. But what what kind of things specifically when you're saying in history and you're seeing them unfold, what stands out to you as mm. red flags? That what you just said applies to both sides. Polar opposites are it's just it's so polarized right now. And I feel like there's multiple ideologies that are guilty of that. And staying conscious of that, I think, is very important um, now. You said you want like a specific example that well, I'm noticing. You, you mentioned that you saw some of the things in human history that mm. just because they happened in the past doesn't mean that they would not happen again. Mm. And that uh, so I was just curious, what are some oh, of okay. those things that are I showing see. up for you that, that you're seeing happened in human history that are happening again that we could be or should be looking out for? Um, I one well, major thing that everyone's following is the insurrection or like January 6th, right? Um, even if somebody uh, follows or believes that ideology, there's this mob that's storming the capital. That happens during revolutions. Who's to say that it couldn't have ended up like, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the French Revolution, but something very similar happens then. And a very bad outcome happened. You know, it was anarchy, chaos. Uh, human rights was a result of World War II, or international human rights, where everyone agreed, everyone is equal, everyone has these rights that didn't exist prior, kind of, sort of, didn't exist prior to World War II. And, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, so, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought What already. do you know about pirates? <laughs> pirates of the Caribbean? Well, just pirates in general, like real <laughs> legitimate pirates. Do you ever study pirates in your history? Uh Sort of. I studied more pirates uh, dealing or pirates from the like 15, 1600s, you know, when uh, Spanish or English ships are crossing the Atlantic and they're taking a bunch of riches from uh, they call it the New World at that time. When they're taking a bunch of riches from the New World, you know, pirates corner them and they just take everything. That's that's the only pirates that I'm really uh, familiar familiar with. But there's also that Tom Hanks movie that came out about what Somalian pirates, and that's oh, like modern day pirates. Yeah, the, like the hijacking of uh, of boats and holding people hostage. That's pretty. Mm. That's pretty nice. So yeah, they're still they're still around. What yep. about um, like w when you were studying history? Was there a particular? I mean, you've got the wars, you've got the treaties, you've got all these different cultures and borders changing and countries being created and destroyed. And like, what was it about history that like? that you particularly found interesting like was there one specific thing um i mostly wanted to study the history of science so i um like still to this day and back then i am fascinated with uh it's called the scientific revolution and that's basically the time when um people like galileo and copernicus come along they spotted anomalies in the structure of the universe and they say, hmm, maybe our current world model doesn't represent what we think it represents. So it's obviously like it, it wasn't like it, it wasn't like everyone woke up the next morning and said, oh, we know that the 
Earth revolves around the sun instead of like instead of the other way around. It wasn't like that. It's a slow transition. More knowledge gets added. More knowledge gets discovered. Uh, in, uh, communities of like scientific communities, intellectual communities, uh, validate that or discredit it, saying no, this doesn't work out because of this or this equation kind of like like disputes that. It's an ongoing uh, cycle of like pr discovering knowledge, validating knowledge, and then that knowledge gets added to like uh, structured education or like what we how we understand the world so I was always interested in that paradigm shifts especially like when it comes to uh, astronomy so I always liked I like that period of time I was always fascinated by that how just how we view the universe just completely changes you know for like um, uh, before 15 ish 100 1600 um, thought it was accepted that the universe revolved around the earth. I mean, when you think about it, everything moves overhead. The sun rises and sets. So do the stars. So does the moon. Why wouldn't you think that? Right? But it's, but the invention of the telescope, when Galileo was able to see uh, moons uh, rotating around Jupiter, he said, wait a second, that doesn't fit. That, do that doesn't make sense. Why would something be... Uh, orbiting Jupiter so he proved that or he like he, it's it's evidence that there's something not equating to the current world view and from there obviously like a bunch of stuff uh, like comes along like uh, uh, Newton with gravity and uh, like and uh, Kepler uh, William Herschel like uh, scientists uh, uh, they add knowledge to to uh, to the world, basically, like they they discover something new, and then society just evaluates that, and just gradually like changes this worldview, just changes like the structure of the universe, basically, and how we understand it. So that was always fascinating to me. That's what I always like to study. <laughs> I said a lot. I know. <laughs> no, like I'm, I'm just I'm so astounded. Like just back to what we were talking about, where you haven't talked to someone for a while, and then you're like. If you if you have a, end up with a great conversation with them, because mm. we've been to, working together here for over six months, and I'm like, holy, like, where did all this knowledge come from? I'm like, <laughs> like, you, like this uh, person that across to me, like, holy, does she know a lot of stuff that I don't know anything about? Well, I mean, I have some relatedness to what you're describing, but to know that level of detail and then be able to recall the names of scientists like you just did, like, that's a, very impressive, and it, it also made me think, like. Holy, like, let's get you on like a science podcast. Like, let's use this recording to get you as a guest to actually Neil deGrasse in. Tyson. Yeah, yeah. Like a Star Talk. NGT. Let's get Pamela on the old Star Talk. Shout out Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting. What about um, artificial intelligence? That's been something we've been discussing at our agency here of how to implement the tools and um, you know what are some of the things you've learned about AI in the past little while? A lot, actually. Um, and in, in uncovering that surface level knowledge, I realized that there's a whole lot that I don't know, that there's people in the industry that have degrees in this. They can construct these things. I, don't, I know very surface level stuff, open AI, um, AI generated stuff, whatever, videos, images. I just basically know how to do that. 
you know i don't know anything deeper than that i don't know how to manipulate programs i don't know how to um, orchestrate data i don't know how to do any of that stuff so uh i basically learned that there's a lot <laughs> i learned that there's a lot that i don't know about it and it's I mean, like most technology, really, um, it's it's accelerating. But people have always been skeptical about artificial intelligence. Like this isn't really, I think it's become talked about more now uh, because it's like so ingrained into um, everyone's daily life. Like AI just is just like integrated into everything basically now and you can't really avoid it when before it's kind of like well the terminator you know or the matrix you know that was our artificial intelligence and even then people were skeptical it's like like robots are gonna rise up like i robot like robots are gonna take over they're gonna become sentient um but there's this one uh there's this one uh historian uh his name is escaping me but i have his book it's called sapiens and uh he said something really interesting. He said that like, we assume that artificial intelligence is going to, quote unquote, like, take over. If they're gonna, like, robots are going to rise up. They're going like, to take over humanity. Um, but what he says is that we're kind of already there. We're, artificial intelligence doesn't have to become sentient to influence humanity. It's already doing that in social media, like it's already at a point, like as long as artificial intelligence can influence culture and influence human emotions, that's all it needs to, to I, I hate to say the word take over, but I, I guess dominate or like just be kind of like orchestrating like how people feel and how like cultures change. Cause AI is now, uh, like AI is learning from AI right now like that's how much it's accelerating right now and uh yeah it's gonna be interesting to see how our laws change because of that what laws are going to be in place that try to contain that or try to or the ethics behind it or moral like compasses like surrounding that laws are always far behind cultural movements laws are hard to change there's a process behind it so culture is always advancing like way way past what laws can keep up with so it so to me it'll be interesting to see um what laws will be created in the future to to contain it or to control ai and who can control ai what information is available what sort of data can someone use or needs authority or maybe even training to know how to use like maybe you need to have a degree in AI or AI uh, like functions or, or whatever, whatever it is. So um, uh, it's, it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm a person that's always optimistic about technology in the future because um, my perspective as a historian, I've seen technology advance like to this point right now. And for the most part, people have been good containing it they've been able to like not let it destroy humanity <laughs> so far anyway um so yeah i i think i remain optimistic about ai and i know a lot of people will disagree with me and that's okay i understand uh but yeah 
I'm, I think it's, I think it's going to be fine. I think we'll be fine. What can you tell me about ClickBook? ClickBook? You trying to get some advertisements in here? Trying to, <laughs> trying to get people talking about it? Plug our own service? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what, what, do we, what have we been up to in the last eight weeks working with uh, Liz? Um, it's a, so ClickBook is a, an interactive uh, process. It's going to be something that's accessible to, for somebody who wants to start writing a book. Maybe they don't know how to start writing. Maybe they, uh, maybe they need certain tools or certain coaching. So ClickBook is kind of like that process of um, how to start and how to get published. And that's kind of what we're working through right now. So it's kind of exciting. You got a book in you? Probably. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. I'm a writer, so obviously. So you're going to try out ClickBook next year? <laughs> On the, on the pod. You're going to make me pay for it? Uh, it'll come right off your check. Oh, shit. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to add today, Pamela Shaw? Um, no, I don't think so. How was your experience doing it on the other side of the camera? Kind of fun. Actually, really fun. Yeah, and awesome. I enjoyed it, too, and it was like uh, meeting a, a new person, uh, the, the historian in you. Like I didn't know you identified as historian, you know. Like identified? It's, <laughs> that's it's, that's my gender, historian. Yeah, yeah, like it's like us historians. Like I didn't know that that was kind of like a thing. So, <laughs> so that so like so is that that you get a particular degree or um, letters after your name that make you a historian, or is it that you graduated from studying history that you become a historian the way you'd become like a librarian if you work at the library or a historian? It's kind of studied history. It's like, kind of what? a bit more loose with history because like, well, if I do a bachelor's, I put BA, but um, tons of people have bachelors. Uh, but uh, um, like right now, my name is Pamela Shaw MA. MA is the title that I have. I have a master's degree. If I had a PhD, it was a PhD at the end of my name, just like an engineer, PNG. You know, it's a title that, but for historian, there's no like one certain point where it's like, yes, you're an official historian. This is, this is your inauguration. And then you get a ring, like a, like a engineer would actually, I'm not sure if they still do that anymore. Uh, whether engineers still I think they still that... get a ring. Okay. I think, I think so. That's I've... something that my dad was uh, saying when he graduated. So like he, there's like a whole like official thing that they go through, but no historians don't go, don't go through that. It's just kind of just, yeah. What do you want to be known for? Hmm. Being intelligent, hopefully one day, wise, wisdom, uh, wisdom comes with a lifetime, um, compassionate, understanding, a good human being. Excellent. How can people <laughs> reach you if they want to be on the video show? You can reach me on LinkedIn, Pamela Shaw, M-A. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not too active on uh, Instagram or Twitter, well, X now. Um, I'm not too, uh, I'm not really a social media person, but uh, LinkedIn is definitely, yeah, where you can find me. Just my name, Pamela Shaw, S-H-A-H. Thanks for coming on today, Pamela Shaw. Thank you, Matt Key. <laughs> awesome. <laughs>